So it's time to vote. What would you want me to talk about in this next portion of the sermon? Go to my next slide. The options are music or books. Now, I'm going to be the one that counts the votes. So, so no, we have no official counters. There's no recounts. There's no court challenges. There's nothing like that. I'm going to be the final arbiter of which wins. So, how many people vote for music? I guess I'm going to turn behind you, too. Everyone, in the, everyone behind me is voting music. How many vote for books? Oh, this is close. I think the music has it. Does that sound right? The music has it? So the music has it. So, oh gosh. I'm kind of a little scared because uh, if you were to come to the Urban Household at 6.30 p.m., we would be engaged in a dance party. Piper and Aaron will want to do a dance party, and uh, the first song is usually, uh, little Aaron will go, Rock Me Mama. That's the first song she wants to, to hear, and I'm gonna push her to the scosh. And so it's the only song I know how to play. Someone was singing with me. Need to, Scott needs to sing a little bit louder, you know. It's not Rock Me Mama, it's called Wagon Wheel, uh, made famous by Darius Rucker. And that would be the first song to our dance party. And then we'll pull up YouTube. I have the LED lights behind the TV, and they'll be strobing, and, and Aaron and Piper will be dancing to various songs. Sydney will be on my lap, and, and, and he starts bouncing so hard and so much, I think I have bruises on my knees because little Sydney is, is dancing. But now, I'm going to talk about music. In fact, it's going to be a little bit of a game show because I'm going to go over five of the top musicians that the Irvin household likes to listen to. And I'm going to give you, for each musician, three songs. For each song, like if you guess, guess the musician on the first song, it's like three points. The second song, two points. The third song, one point. And it's the honor system. And if you win, yeah, get nothing. I'm sorry. I already gave you cookies. I'm going to give you a box of cookies. I got an extra box of cookies. I will give you a box of cookies. So these are the five artists that the Irvins engage in a dance party. Let's go to my next slide. The first song is Manic Monday. This one is quite a bit trick because most people, I heard the bangles, they made it popular, but they weren't the first ones to sing Manic Monday. It's actually someone else. Go to the next slide. This person also sung, sung the song Raspberry Beret. And now I hear some right answers. The third one is Purple Rain. Purple Rain. I feel like I had to engage in like these songs, like sing out like a line each one. So, Manic Monday, Raspberry Beret, Purple Rain. The first one's kind of a trick. I, I, I apologize. No, I don't really apologize, actually. I felt kind of good, because you jumped the gun there. It is Prince. Prince, Purple Rain. The next one, Gypsy. 
Oh. Next one is our next slide, Rhiannon. And the third one is you could go your own way. Go your it's Stevie Nicks is wrong, but she was part of the group Fleetwood Mac. So we went from the 80s to the 70s. Our third artist, you can go to the next one. I have to say I love you in a song. And I see one person mouthing the right answer right away. This guy's from Philadelphia, so he's a Pennsylvanian, so you need to know this. Next one is Bad Bad Leroy Brown from the south side of Chicago. It's the baddest part of town. Next one, Operator. Now I realize with this song, like, like we play this song and Piper and Aaron will have no idea what an operator is. Yes. Operator. Or the phone number that's old and faded on the matchbook. They're not going to know what a matchbook is. They're not going to know what a payphone is and how to call collect. The song is totally dated. For a dime. I don't think they even know what a dime is anymore. Like, maybe you can buy a bazooka. I don't even know if anyone has bazooka bubble gum. I think you still buy it for like five or ten cents. But like, they're not even going to know what a dime is. I, see, I heard someone mouth it. It's Jim Croce uh, sung this song. Next one. 50 ways to leave your lover. I already, I already see someone with the right answer. Man, I can't, I gotta make this, I gotta make this game show a little bit harder. Uh, the next one is, still crazy after all these years. That's, yeah, that's me. That's what at least what Elena says. And the last one is, you could call me Al. I heard a couple of people, it's Paul Simon. And then I have one more artist, I believe. Sloop John B. Oh, gosh. i got to make this harder. <laughs> Next one is Kokomo. Now, I've taken a couple classes with Brother Randy Yoder uh, for axe training. And Brother Randy Yoder's first placement after graduating from seminary is the Kokomo Church of the Brethren in Indiana. <laughs> and every time he mentions that, no offense to, like, Phil and Allie and... and, and and everyone else in the praise band, but I get the mental image of the Beach Boys being the praise band. And no offense to you guys, but I think I'd rather have, you know, the, the Beach Boys <laughs> as a praise band. Now, they're at odds with each other, so if we could get the full Beach Boys, that'd be like a miracle from God. California girls, I already gave it away. The Beach Boys is the band. These are the bands that we have our dance party to. But it doesn't matter who we dance to. Sometimes it's Britney Spears. Sometimes it is just various Coco Melon songs. Sometimes it's just some random person. Today is a different day. It's our fourth day of Advent. And in the end, everything else will turn out to be unimportant and inessential. Except for this, father, child, and love. The fourth Sunday of Advent is all about love. Specifically, God's love for the world. Christ's love for all of us and our love for our neighbors. The fourth candle on the Advent wreath is once again purple. And is known as the angel's candle. 
This candle serves as a reminder of the angel's message. Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth, peace among those whom he favors. I gotta be honest, I, I, I don't know where in this sermon to go. When I generally start sermon prep, I, I usually have a, a one thought, one scripture or something illuminates to me that I want to build off of. Uh, I'm not one that remembers what I ate for breakfast, so I don't usually do a three or a five or a ten point sermon, I have a one point sermon. And then I work it out, that outline, and then I actually go to the front half. I thought I had it. I thought I had the outline, I thought I had the scripture, I thought I had everything, and then I moved to the front half where I had a game show about Fleetwood Mac and Prince and the Beach Boys. And then after that I go back to the back half and I try to synthesize and congeal and solidify the main point. And it just wasn't coming about. I went this way and I probed and I prodded and it just didn't feel right. And I went that way and, and it did the same thing and it just didn't feel right. And, and, and I even thought about the way I was going to go talked about five different musicians. My favorite musician, one that I always come back to, if you were to hear me in my office with the playlist playing, it's Burt Bacharach. I got a couple, hmm, that's interesting. You know, the song, Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head. Do You Know the Way to San Jose? The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance off the movie, the, the great Western film with Jimmy Stewart and, and, and and uh, the Duke, the Friends song. Gosh, what's the title to that? I'll be there for you. Um, not the Friends. I'm thinking of the Michael W. Smith one, but that's not the one I'm thinking of. Uh, as Dion Warwick and then Luther Vandross, Elton John. Uh, it's strong and blank. Strong and blank. And I was gonna to go to the song by Luther Vandross, written by Hal David and, and Burt Bacharach, A House is Not a Home. And it just didn't feel right. I don't like to force sermons because when I do, it becomes more about me than it is the Holy Spirit. And so I turn my attention to various other things. Friday night, I watched professional wrestling. 
I played some video games, Phil. I watched college football. And by Saturday afternoon, it still was not coming to me. And so I sat down with my thoughts for a little bit, and I wrote some of them down. I'm excited for tomorrow because tomorrow I'm going to sit with a cup of coffee, probably with Sydney in my lap, and watch Elena and Aaron and Piper open those gifts. And that's the most exciting thing that I think will happen Christmas. I have a good idea what the gifts are going to be for me. Um, I mentioned Erin loves books. She really loves books. This is my Bible. She got a hold of my Bible, so it's starting to come apart. So I think a new Bible is probably going to be on, on the docket. Uh, I'm wearing a black belt. If you look closely, it's falling apart because I've actually asked for a new black leather belt for Christmas. I think those are two of the things that are probably going to get for Christmas, but it's not about those presents, it's about everyone else in my family. But then I remember the Christmases I was away from home. I was an Arabic translator, and, and in the Arab world, they don't celebrate Christmas. And they are 12 hours ahead of us, so I wouldn't be at Christmas Eve service tonight. I'd be sitting in a windowless room behind a bunch of computers. And Carol thinks that the, the church is cold. The temperature in that building was kept to make sure the computers were running efficiently. The average temperature in that building was 60 degrees. So the computers did not overheat. And that's where I spent Christmas Eve. To leave at 7, 8 in the morning to drive home and see everyone going to their friends and family as I was going to go back to my house, my apartment, to hopefully get some shut-eye for a few hours, to wake up Christmas night and go back and do it again. And although I loved working that job, I protected Americans, I found the bad guys that wanted to do us harm, I know people are safer because of what I did. There's just a gnawing in the heart that this wasn't what I'm supposed to do. Now, church families would invite me over. You know, if I had, you know, I'd go for Christmas dinner. You know, they're not watching, but the Claflins would invite me over, the McLeans or the Stanleys, they would invite me over, but it never felt right. And it reminded me of the author C.S. Lewis. He wrote us something called Zingzult. It's a German word. It means an inconsolable longing in the heart, for we know not what. It's a forward-looking longing, a desire for something that is to come, yet we do not fully know what that something is. And then I had me reflect on Mary and Joseph. I was sitting in the back, and I had this mental image that they were scared and they had this longing. And I'm actually reading a book called The Bible Through Western Perspective, and it's talking about how our Western perspective influences how we read the Bible. And in one sense, I question that. 
Remember, Caesar Augustus called the census, and everyone was to go back to their hometown. And Joseph, being in the house of David, and also Mary, being in the house of David, went back to Bethlehem to be part of the census. Yeah, they were paying their taxes, but all their cousins were going to be there. Their brothers and sisters, their great aunts, their great uncles, everyone in the house of David would be in Bethlehem at Christ's birth. And so I really questioned if there is that zingzot. But I believe it still was there. I believe it was still there because as I reflected what happened in that first century, I don't think it's that different from what's happening to us now. If you go to my PowerPoint slides, please. If you go to about slide 21, and now it's kind of far in. I reflected the news I've heard over the last four weeks. I talked about my time in the military, and I, I found out over the last few weeks that two of my brothers and sisters in arms have actually passed away. They were younger than me. One, unfortunately, the darkness was so overwhelming that she couldn't take it anymore. And her two kids now don't have their mother this Christmas. And now as I was preparing this, the news hit my computer, hit my phone. Bethlehem is not going to celebrate Christmas this year because of the ongoing conflict between Israel and the Gaza Strip. The first time in memory that Bethlehem is not going to celebrate Christmas. And I felt that zenzelt, that longing for something that's not But then I realized that this, today was about this messy journey, the arrival, and that there's one thing that could fulfill that hole that is in my heart today, and that's the arrival of the Christ child. I was taking the Charles Wesley's hymn, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. I'm actually going to, I'm not going to sing it. You don't want me to sing it evidenced by earlier today. But I'll read, the, I'll read the lyrics. Come, thou long-expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins release us, let us find our rest in thee. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth thou art, desire, dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. Born thy people to deliver, Born a child and yet a king, born to reign in us forever, now thy gracious kingdom bring. By thine own eternal spirit, rule in our hearts alone. By thine all-sufficient merit, raise us to thy glorious throne. The joy of Christ's arrival intersects with the brokenness of our world in numerous ways this Christmas. Amidst the battles with sin, and with the imperfections of each other, we recognize that Christ came into this world to live a flawless life on our behalf, even to the point of death, offering us hope for transformation. 
In times of depression and obscurity, we acknowledge that no place is too dark for him as he willingly enters our moments of desperation. While grappling with the distressing news of war and tragedy, we understand that his message of peace is intended for the entire world.